12 of the Radio Gaga podcast. I'm your host, Justine Pajowski, and today we are talking about Nashville-based rock band Kings of Leon and their 2016 album, Walls. One of my main sources for this episode was the documentary Talahina Sky, The Story of Kings of Leon, directed by Stephen Mitchell. Definitely worth a rental if you're a Kings of Leon fan. Rolling Stone was also extremely helpful in my research, as was NME and a number of other online articles I'll cite in this episode. So my relationship with Kings of Leon's music over the years has been really sparse. I always overlooked them, and for no other reason other than they reminded me of my days working as an associate at Best Buy. All the fun toys, guaranteed to bring out the kid in everyone at Best Buy. Now that's a great gift idea. So Only by the Night came out in fall of 2008, at the beginning of my sophomore year in college. In addition to some unpaid internships, aren't those nice? I still needed a source of income, and so I sold my soul for a blue polo. In case any of my fellow Amazon Prime members have forgotten, Best Buy always plays really loud music inside the store. And all I would hear over the speakers that year was two Kings of Leon songs, Use Somebody and Sex on Fire. Eventually, I think it was a combination of getting worn down on those two specific songs and the stress of angry holiday shoppers trying to talk me down on the price of HDMI cables and or desperately looking for the last copy of Transformers on Blu-ray. I just never listened to Kings of Leon again after that. But I'm so glad to be revisiting this band today. And listening heavily to Kings of Leon these past few weeks got me so excited to really learn about this band and just let go of whatever weird biases I had against their music. The main reason we're tackling Walls by Kings of Leon today is because it was selected by my guest, Micah Brown. Micah is a member of the band Iration, and we met sort of randomly earlier this year. Pulling inspiration from the band's combined hometowns in Hawaii and California, Iration's sound is a unique mix of alternative and reggae, and Micah plays lead guitar. loved golf, and he and I met after he played around with my husband, DJ. Micah has followed my podcast ever since, and so kindly reached out to let me know he and his fiance were enjoying listening. So I asked what album he would want to do if he was on the podcast, and he said Walls by Kings of Leon. Iration was in town just recently playing a show in St. Augustine, so I was able to meet with him backstage before his sound check to chat. Soundcheck and stage setup was going on during our recording, so you might hear some random background noises here and there. Anyway, Micah told me he wasn't an instant fan of this band either, 
But he started listening to Kings of Leon more and more with the help of someone special. Here's Micah explaining why he chose Walls. Originally, like, I wasn't a huge fan of theirs when they were really big. Like, when they first came out, they had a couple records that were bigger in the UK. And I, like, I was kind of the same boat as you. I was, like, excited to research their history because I was introduced to them through my fiance, who was a big fan when I met. And she, like, loved their music. And she would always play their older albums in the car when you're driving. So, like, I was familiar with their hits and, like, some of their more popular songs, which I liked. I was never someone that like bought their albums when they first came out and so Walls was the first album that they put out where when it came out I listened to it and I soaked it in and I, I like resonated with me as like especially as a musician and so I don't know it just felt like something cool that I could also learn and and like like you said be excited to kind of dive in and figure out what, what's up with them so personally it's not like I was a huge fan it was just an album that I liked over the past couple years that came out because you asked me and I was thinking like what are the albums that I've listened to the most in the last couple years and that was one of them and Marina and I were lucky enough to catch a couple of their shows on the Walls tour so I was like yeah it's, that sounds like a good one to, to, to discuss. We'll hear more from Micah about the Walls tour later on First, I want to give you a little background on this band. Kings of Leon is a family band. Three of the members are brothers, and one is their cousin. Frontman Caleb Followell is on lead vocals and guitar, Nathan Followell on drums, Jared Followell on bass guitar, and their cousin Matthew Followell plays lead guitar. The band officially formed in Nashville in 1999, but their history together goes back much further than that. All throughout the 80s and early 1990s, the three brothers, Nathan, Caleb, and Jared, spent their childhood traveling around with their parents. Their dad, Ivan Leon Followell, was a traveling preacher who church groups around the South would pay to come and help revive their churches. He was truly a preacher's preacher. Everyone loved him, and his sons looked up to him more than anyone. In addition to being homeschooled by their mother, the Followell brothers lived an extremely sheltered lifestyle growing up. They didn't have a television and weren't allowed to listen to any secular music, especially not rock music. They weren't even allowed to swim in the lake if there were girls present. Their focus was only on the church, and that was where they got their entertainment, helping their dad where they could and, as a game, memorizing the almost 100 different sermons their dad made over the years. Attending a preacher's conference was about as exciting as it got for the brothers. Caleb made the decision at age 13 that he would follow in his father's footsteps and become a preacher, though he knew he'd have to hold a second job. Because while their father was well-loved throughout hundreds of Southern churches, there was not a lot of emphasis put on the money aspect of his job. The Followell family was extremely poor growing up at one point living in the worst ghetto of Oklahoma City, and Nathan and Caleb owning just two pairs of pants between them. In the documentary I mentioned earlier, Caleb says he struggled at this point, asking himself, quote, if we live our whole lives for God, why are we living here? The family stuck together regardless, the boys getting even more involved with the church, especially in a musical capacity. The Followell brothers sang a lot growing up, with Nathan playing drums for many of his father's sermons and both Nathan and Caleb singing duets to spread the word of God. Here is a clip from the documentary of Nathan and Caleb singing When We All Get to Heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day 
the surface, they were a happy family. But underneath, troubling times were ahead. In 1997, Ivan Folliwell suddenly resigned from the church. Unbeknownst to his family, Ivan had been struggling with alcohol addiction for a very long time. The turmoil continued with Ivan and his wife's divorce, leaving the brothers even more in shock. They had lived their lives believing their family was perfect, living for God, and unpolluted by the outside world. The oldest brothers, Nathan and Caleb, took it the hardest. Nathan tells Christian Today in 2011, quote, We realized that our dad, the greatest man we ever knew, was only human. And so are we. And this whole new world was open to us. End quote. Caleb was 15 at the time of his parents' divorce. In a recent interview with The Independent, Caleb says, quote, I'd put my faith in my dad and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I'd always look up to ministers, but at about 15, I started to see that they were just normal men and it broke my heart. End quote. Caleb subsequently closed himself off, dropped out of school, and started rethinking what his life was meant for. Out of everything they grew up doing in the church, it was the music that really stuck to Caleb and Nathan. Together, they decided they would move to Nashville. The two found comfort in songwriting and playing music together, gathering fresh inspiration by listening to more alternative music like The Pixies and Pete Yorn. In 2002, they landed a record deal with RCA, they decided the band's name would simply be Leon, named after their grandfather's first name and father's middle name. Though they were very excited about the record deal, Caleb talks in the documentary about that night being very difficult for him. He says, quote, As soon as I knew we got a record deal, that whole night I never slept because I knew I was going to hell and I wasn't going to be a preacher. End quote. While the two brothers had been officially signed to a record label, they told RCA they didn't want to be the next Evan and Jaron, a popular male duet at the time. They told RCA they were going to buy their youngest brother Jared a bass guitar. He was a freshman in high school at the time and had never played bass before. And that their cousin Matthew played guitar when he was younger, and just to give them one month to turn out songs together. RCA agreed, and the four followers spent the next month locked in their basement with an ounce of weed and their instruments. They wrote four songs, three of which would eventually end up on the band's debut album, Youth and Young Manhood, in 2003. In addition to the new music, the boys got inspired to make a slight change to the band name Leon, and Kings of Leon was officially on the map. And when she gets into your head, you know she's there to stay. Starting out, the band was extremely popular, more so in the UK, where The Guardian would describe the band as, quote, the kind of authentic, hairy rebels the Rolling Stones longed to be, and NME declaring youth and young manhood to be, quote, one of the best debut albums of the last 10 years. In 2004 was Kings of Leon's follow-up album, Aha Shake Heartbreak.
Shake Heartbreak marked the beginning of the band's global popularity, hitting the United States with a bang. The album was highly regarded by their peers on the American rock scene. Kings of Leon was invited to tour in 2005 and 2006 with bands like Pearl Jam, U2, and Bob Dylan, exposing their music to larger and larger audiences. The band's third album, Because of the Times, released in 2007, and they continue to tour in support of their new music. I'm on call But it was 2008's Only by the Night that marked the turn of Kings of Leon from a well-known band to one of the biggest acts of their generation. With help from songs like Sex on Fire and You Somebody, Kings of Leon had become full-fledged rock stars. for Only by the Night, including Record of the Year, Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal, and Best Rock Song for You, Somebody. tour for their fifth studio album, Come Around Sundown, where problems that had been secretly bubbling up within the four members of Kings of Leon began to surface to the public. Basically, the brothers and cousin Matthew had been fighting constantly for years in the studio and on tour about everything from small guitar part changes to the direction of the band. They had also been into substances from the beginning and partying very heavily over the past few years, with enough drunken fights and cocaine-induced naked walks down hotel hallways to make Van Halen blush. They were touring constantly, their egos were getting bigger and bigger, and they were living a wild lifestyle almost exactly opposite from the one they all grew up in. But one main reason for the rift in the band was Caleb's struggle with alcohol. The tipping point was a 2011 show in Dallas, where Caleb appeared heavily intoxicated on stage and would ramble incomprehensibly between songs. Eventually, he left the stage, letting the crowd know he was going to go vomit, drink a beer, and rally for more songs. He never returned to the stage, and the band had to apologize to the crowd and end the concert. The following month, Kings of Leon announced that the remainder of their U.S. tour would be canceled, citing exhaustion. 
Bassist Jared Falwell took to Twitter to apologize to the band's fans for the cancellation. He wrote, quote, There are internal sicknesses and problems that have needed to be addressed. I know you guys aren't stupid. I can't lie. There are problems in our band bigger than not drinking enough Gatorade. began under extremely tense circumstances, with Caleb realizing the rest of the band had basically turned their backs on him in their comments to fans, especially the one Jared made on stage after the incident where he said, fucking hate Caleb, not us. Caleb got on a plane and separated himself from the rest of the band for just a few days. This was the lowest point in the Kings of Leon history, one that had the future of the band and the future of the Falwell family in question. Come on out and dance if you get the chance. We're gonna spit on the rivals. All I wanna know is how far you wanna go. Fighting for survival. After some time to cool down, all four members of the band met up a few days after the Dallas show at a Nashville steakhouse. By this point, many news outlets had reported that the band ordered Caleb to rehab, which was untrue. Caleb instead stopped drinking cold turkey for nine months just to prove to his band that he could. The band went on hiatus for one year. Caleb enjoyed married life with his new wife. Matthew quit drinking too. Nathan and his wife welcomed their first child into the world and Jared worked on some side projects. I talked to my guest Micah about Caleb's struggle at this point in his career. Micah grew up in the church too, and sometimes thinks about the juxtaposition of life then and now. I feel like he struggled with the guilt of the rock star lifestyle, and like, yeah, juxtaposing with like what he thought he was gonna do, you know? And so like, you're caught between these two worlds of like, fulfilling this legacy that you thought you would as a, as a child and then like being put into this life of just like hedonism. I can relate to that too. My, my mom and dad raised me in the church also and I never thought I would become a preacher or anything like that but you know like I feel like they're proud of me for what I'm doing but you know I don't know how under the surface if they're like a little disappointed that I'm not like as you know spiritual as they are or anything like that you never know like but I you know I feel like every person growing up wonders if they're gonna like please their parents with what they decide to do with their life you know and it's like at some point you just gotta go with what you (laughs) feel and what you want to do and and I saw a clip where they were talking about how their mom is very opinionated about their career and like she was like yeah Taylor Swift signs autographs for four hours after the show why don't you guys do that you know she like like, so she's still, like, giving them little mom ribs, like, you gotta do this, and, yeah. like, or, like, the set, like, or, like, critiquing the sound guy after the show, like, which my mom, and my mom does that, too. She's like, yeah, your guitar wasn't loud enough, <laughs> like, you know. By the following year, 
Kings of Leon was back in the studio and on the road, but things had changed. The time apart likely saved their band in the long run, but still, on that first tour back, the bandmates spent as little time together as possible. Their family bond felt more like a contractual obligation than a healthy thing. Jared talked about that time in a recent interview with NME, quote, The bigger we got, we got our own cars and did our own thing and would only see each other for the hour and a half before a show. We went too far in the other direction. If you're not going to be friends and family, then you can't really be a band. Or we can't be this band. End quote. Even amidst the emotional scars still left from before the band's hiatus, they pulled things together enough to record the 2013 comeback album, Mechanical Bull. they tried really hard to make Mechanical Bull an album that reflected everything they'd done in the past decade, new sounds and old. But it received mixed reviews. It was enough to make the band really look at their recording process and the comfortable place they hadn't realized that they had fallen into. While they still fought like brothers and some tension lingered a little in the studio, the four of them were on the same page about one thing. They knew they had to challenge themselves. They agreed to shake things up in a major way for their next studio album, Walls. Walls came out in 2016, and instead of recording the album at their Nashville studio as they had done for the last couple of albums, they went all the way back to their roots and recorded in California, where the tracks of their very first album were laid down all those years ago. Kings of Leon also got a new producer, Marcus Drabs, who has worked with bands like Coldplay, Arcade Fire, and Mumford & Sons. You'll hear Micah mention him later and why having a new producer was the shot in the arm that the band needed. As far as an album name, they knew they wanted to call the album Walls. And if you've picked up on it, every Kings of Leon album name contains five syllables. Aha Shake Heartbreak, Only By The Night, and Walls does fit into that pattern. It stands for We Are Like Love Songs. The followers realized that their problem with Mechanical Bull stemmed from the pressure they felt to follow up their biggest record, Only by the Night. So going into the writing and recording of Walls, they all went in with a more relaxed frame of mind, and no pressure to recreate any of their prior success. I think this helped them open their minds and get a little more creative with their sound. The songs on Walls range from slow and heartfelt ballads to those original arena rock belters that are impossible not to sing along to. With that, let's get into the tracks with Micah. He told me that two of his favorite songs on Walls were two of the album's slower tracks, Muchacho and the title track, Walls. So let's start with those because Muchacho was one of my favorite songs too. Used to work for a living 
about their longtime art director, Brett Kilrow, who died of cancer just a few months before Walls came out. Brett was involved in every music video, every record cover, all the band's merchandise, and their photo shoots. He was well-loved in the industry, having also done notable album covers including Room on Fire and Is This It by The Strokes and One by One by The Foo Fighters. And he actually inspired more than just this song on the album. Here's Micah. I was reading an interview on NME, and basically they said, you know, this album was kind of, not just the song, but the whole album was a tribute to him because he was always the one that was challenging them to be, you know, to, to push themselves and, you know, not stay comfortable. And I think this whole album in a whole, in a nutshell, like Caleb and Jared both kind of tri- tri- contributed or attributed him to being the one that was always there in the background challenging them to like be better or like you know not just be complacent with like cranking out the same old thing so it's cool that you know that they had a song not only for him on the album but also just the whole idea of the record itself like changing producers going to LA and like just kind of changing up their creative style like was you know spoke volumes of his influence on their career so it's kind of cool and the other thing about Muchacho I really like is the the guitar solo takes and like like one or or you can go take it back to your your house or your hotel and really work it out for a few hours and and get every note perfect and I think he spent a lot of time making sure this solo was like suited the song well and it's just like it's so tasteful it's not like flashy it's just really feelsy you know like yeah and it matches like there's the little guitar solo there's a little cocktail drum set there's like the whistles yeah yeah yeah. the whistles are great it's a vibe it's a vibe yeah Yeah, it's a vibe For the title track, Walls, Nathan Followell tells Rolling Stone that the band wanted the drums to feel like a heartbeat, and there was a special way they achieved that effect. Yeah, he was saying it was the easiest drum gig he ever had because he was literally actually sitting on the floor and using his hand to, to hit the kick yeah. pedal because it was supposed to be really delicate. And, yeah. like, and I think, yeah, that was, I think he credited the, the producer too, Marcus Strauss, for like that direction of, you know, wanting it to be more delicate and kind of just like be in the background. So like... It's funny, the two songs that we like the most are kind of like the less drummy, rocky ones. They're more like the, the simple, stripped back ones. Totally. I could never point you out List of space in a faceless crowd Tell me what I have to say If you know what's right, then you'll walk away Come down 
Another song that was high on both of our lists was Around the World. This one is super poppy and fun and includes the use of a clavinet, an instrument you hear a lot of in funk and rock music. The instrument is based on the old Baroque clavichord, a keyboard-like instrument that created sound by striking metal strings with small metal blades. The clavinet is the electric version of that. Here are a few familiar examples of the clavinet. Micah told me he was drawn even more to Matt's guitar solo. Matt's very talented at what he does, and I respect that because, like, he was saying too, like, their producer, you know, wasn't a big fan of guitar solos, you know, which a lot of producers aren't. Like, some people think that's an antiquated way of writing songs, like, oh, just put a guitar solo in every song, but it's like that's what he does, you know, that's, that's his yeah. whole part of the band is like coming up with sweet guitar riffs. Well, that so. that's kind of your part too. Yeah, like, and of so your I, re I, res I respect that, and I I definitely relate to that and you know it's cool to figure out new ways of making guitar sound unique and, and fresh and not just like regurgitating the same tones and everything and I think he was saying that they, the producer challenged them to write all the songs and write all the riffs without a lot of effects and like so if it's good enough to just be like a plain guitar tone and then you can go back later and kind of add little um, sounds and, and spruce it up a little bit but if it's like good enough to just be a guitar with no with no bells and whistles then it's it's going to be good enough and the video is really cool too i don't know if you've seen it but oh they, i haven't seen it they they like they sourced a bunch of dancing from people from all over the world and they synced all the dance moves to the song and so it's like there's they're not in the video at all except for there's like a lot of kind of random b-roll from them over the years like spliced in but the majority of the video is like people from all over the world dancing to the song and from different walks of life and it's really cool. One thing I noticed in this song was the lyric, been around the world, been around the world, the stormy gates and the maiden pearl. Caleb Followell and his wife, model Lily Aldridge, named their first daughter Dixie Pearl Followell. I think that line and even this whole song is such a sweet homage to his family. The next song we talked about was probably the most popular song off this album, Waste a Moment.
woes in the chorus are like you hear that live and everybody's singing it. Like it's definitely like that's their form. I think that this song fits like the Kings of Leon formula the most, but it's still you know it's fre it's just a little bit fresher, a little bit maybe cleaner, not as as rough around the edges as their older songs. You know, which probably is just the you know that's just the direction they were going with this album, which I'm okay with. Like as a musician, I see them. I see why they wanted to change producers and kind of just like change it up a little bit and and you know other people that are fans of their older albums may not appreciate that but as someone who wasn't necessarily attached to their old albums and just listened to this album for what it is like i like the smooth kind of really you know just like elegant kind of sound it feels of very very mature yeah it's definitely and and they were saying some of the songs like originally started out way different than how it turned out on the album like uh, waste a moment they were saying was a lot slower when they wrote it and Marcus Strauss told him to play it like the Sex Pistols would play it, so they like sped it up, and, and it became this more like That's a good rocked exercise. out song. Yeah. So. The next song we talked about was Reverend, which was one of my favorites. On the when listening to the verse was that song Dancing in the Moonlight by King Harvest. Reverend might have been about their dad, but it was actually written about an eccentric country singer-songwriter in the 1980s. Here's Micah again. Jared was a fan of this guy Blaze Foley and Caleb um, fell in love with his music and so the song Reverend isn't about a reverend even though it's like you'd think it might be about his dad or something, but I think he attributed just Blaze Foley's voice as something that like just totally took you by surprise and like similar to when like you hear like a, a very impassioned preacher giving a sermon on the radio or something, but Blaze Foley is someone that my cousin Jen introduced me to a few years back and he's like a he was like a troubadour kind of outsider songwriter that never got his respect never got his like day in the sun and was tragically killed in like a, a fight when he was like standing up for a friend and so I think they just they latched onto this character and so that that song is kind of a tribute to him which is cool because I feel like you know, there's a lot of those tri tragic people out there that never got their due, you know, like talented and like could have been somebody and just like never panned out. And so it's cool for them to kind of, sh you know, shine a light on his story a little bit. And then Over, I love that song. I think it's stylistically a little different for them. It's kind of got that almost Interpol kind of um, 
you know, electro kind of pop rock sound, which isn't too forced. I feel like it's natural, you know. I think the cool thing about all the songs on this album is like, even though they're different stylistically, it doesn't feel forced. It just feels like they're just having fun creating music and from a different viewpoint, you know. And, I like that one too for for his vocals especially. Yeah. I can I think I, I in my notes I had like eighties Brit rock. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Interpol describes it perfectly. Yeah. I think that's that's such yeah, a good Yeah, synth heavy and um, it's funny because I was watching an interview and they said this is one that they kinda did themselves that wasn't too influenced by the producer, which I you know, it's kinda counterintuitive to me because I would feel like this one was one that Marcus Strauss would have more of an influence on, but I think that's just just where they were at, you know, like this is just kind of an organic sound that they came up with and it's cool because it's not like their typical Kings of Leon sound, but um, it, it works, you know. Next, we talked about the song Find Me. is another one of my favorites on Walls. This song could have a lot of meanings, but my theory is that this song is about their dad, or possibly about Caleb's experience. There seem to be a lot of lines and themes about addiction on this song. Lines like, you always seem to come my way, come and take your shape, and follow me into the wild with a twisted smile, I can't escape, now I got you by my side all my life, day after day, from the grave. Those are especially haunting to me in that context. And especially that leading line, how did you find me? Almost like Caleb or even his dad face to face with addiction. I don't know if that's what they wrote this song about, but it's certainly up for interpretation and that's mine. Regardless, Caleb absolutely nails these vocals. I think this is one of his strongest songs vocally and Micah agreed. It's not as like raw as the old albums, like, um, but he's still gravelly and like he's like hitting his stride with the vocals. Like you know, it's, his vocals are a really big part of the band, and I think this song definitely showcases that. This one was, I think, one that Matt said he wrote too, which is cool because like I I kind of like akin myself to Matt a little bit just because he's like the guitarist and he's the the cousin. He's not a brother. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like the guy that came into Iration late and like, you know, so it's like... Yeah, I, he was like I, a late see, edition, wasn't he? I don't know if he was a late edition, but you know, just being the cousin instead of the brother, I feel like there's probably some sort of like black sheep element of him too, I you suppose. know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just, yeah, anything that he says or does, I kind of relate to too. And he said this was one that he brought to the table and like he had to teach Caleb the guitar parts and like, but it was one that, that they came up with on their own and they didn't really let the producer like involve himself in as far as changing it too much. If you come around, I'll 
agreed that the song Wild, at first listen, wasn't particularly memorable. But upon listening a couple more times, you start to see the personality in it. Here's Micah again. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a microcosm of the whole album. Like the whole album, you know, critics didn't give it like rave reviews. Fans of the older albums didn't really like it. But the more it's out there and the more you listen to it, the more you soak it in. It's like, this is a really solid, good album. And, yeah. And especially being able to see the songs live, like that, you know, changed it for me too. Just because like you get to, you, you hear the emotion in Caleb's voice live and you hear the the crowd singing the, 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 the sing-along parts and it just you're like, oh yeah, this is a good song. You know, like it sometimes that helps too. Given Micah had seen Kings of Leon a couple times in concert, I was really curious if he thought they were a better studio band or a better live band. They're a great live band. I wouldn't I wouldn't know if I wouldn't say better because I feel like in both scenes or in both instances they're good. Um, I do think that a lot of their songs are tailor made for like the sing along loud arena rock kind of vibe and the O's and I's yeah exactly and so totally. like they you know they're that's their bread and butter and they're good at it for sure so it definitely like that was what kind of made me a fan after because like I said my fiance Marina introduced me to them originally uh, like I had heard obviously their hits before we met but like I would have never thought to go to a Kings of Leon show or whatever and she was like oh I love Kings of Leon we gotta see them so we've seen them a few times and like it's made me fall in love with their older catalog just because of the way that the live show and the live experience of hearing the songs is it's like it definitely adds an element to the sound you know it's with walls too on the during the live show it was really cool because the first like half of the show there was like a red curtain down in front of the stage and 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 Caleb starts walls by himself just with a guitar like and it just brings it back to like open mic night kind of vibe singer songwriter just cool. up there on your own and then like slowly the curtain rises and like there's this huge like set behind them and like different drum because he has like the little cocktail kit up there and like and then the set opens up and it like kind of turns the page on the on the whole show and like and then it becomes this big rock show but because it turns walls yeah, you know walls he starts singing like dynamic. an octave higher yeah, yeah it's and a that, dynamic yeah, song his, his vocal dynamics on that song are super effective and and it came across really cool live the way they did it too so yeah it's I think they've played here before at the St. Augustine Amphitheater yeah I feel like they have I mean I yeah. feel like they have I just I hadn't well seen we were them. at Revolution Live last night in Fort Lauderdale and there's a picture of them on the wall in the green room and that's a, that's a small like 2,000 cap room and so you know it's cool to play these places where these like huge rock legends have played like, I, yeah I want to know more point, about that yeah, yeah at one point they were a small band too like us you know and so it's cool to just like follow in the footsteps of these big bands that have played these you know, legendary small clubs across the country and like feel the spirit of what's going on there, you know. Do you have any particular bands that you sort of um, have have seen a photo of them at a venue and you're just like, I can't believe like we're playing on stage, the same stage that they played on? Well, yeah, I mean, like Santa Barbara Bowl is one where there's pictures of like Bob Marley and just like huge legends that are and it's like places like that are so special because it's like you, you feel the energy you kind of just it's exciting to be there red rocks you know the beatles have played there pretty much everybody's played there and like you see all the, the pictures on the walls of steely dan or john mayer or whatever you know just like artists you, artists you look up to and and so it's awesome to to play those same stages and there's a, a festival in california that we play called california roots and it's at the monterey fairgrounds which is where they had the monterey pop festival 
which is where Hendrix lights his guitar on fire. Really? And you oh can, my like, gosh. You can see like the burn mark on the stage. No from, way. Yeah. And so That's it's, like, awesome. You can stand right where, where Hendrix like, did that. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I bet you were like nerding out. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> there's definitely, it's been an honor to play a lot of these venues that we've been able to play and, and just kind of soak in the energy that you feel there, you know? Yeah. yeah. God, that must be, that must be so much fun. Yeah. The last two songs to discuss were Conversation Piece and Eyes on You. Conversation Piece is probably my least favorite song on this album. I just think it's sort of boring and kind of repetitive. But Micah pointed out that the song follows a familiar pattern. This song not necessarily points out, but like after, you know, it's the sixth or seventh song. And I realized listening to the album, like every song just hooks you in with the intro you know like there's a signature tone or riff or something on every track that like you can tell right away it's a kings of leon song just from the the way that matthew plays the, the riff or the the tone he uses like there's classic elements of kings of leon on every song even though they all sound a little different like stylistically but i think this is the same too like from the first kind of guitar riff it's like i just can tell it's gonna be a cool song like it's not like and, you know, it's not my favorite song on the album, but I, I do like the, the lyrics on the chorus, you know. It's kind of clever the way he, you know, once you come around for some conversation, please, and then once you come around, it's a conversation piece. It's kind of just like, kind of vague, but cool. about the song Eyes on You. Micah that I was a little weirded out by this song. The members of Kings of Leon are pretty well aware that their popularity peaked years ago. And on this song, it felt like they were overcorrecting too much to that Southern California, sunny pop rock sound that has become so popular in the last few years. Micah told me this might be the result of their new producer. This one probably was more like a Marcus Drabs kind of like put his put a stamp on this one a little mm, bit. You okay. Because, you know, when you have a new producer, they're obviously going to make you do different things or try different things. And they definitely credited him with working them pretty hard and, like, getting the best out of them. And, like, um, also on a couple songs, like, I think this one in Wild, they said that, you know, the original idea of the song was morphed into what the final product was. Okay. And so this one could be one that he kind of had a little bit more... Um, stake in you know as far as creatively and directively and so maybe that's why you're picking up on that that problem. it might be yeah and which you know I mean it is what it is you know yeah. like when you when you work with a new producer they're gonna have they're definitely gonna have their their say on a certain amount of things you know you're gonna as a band you're gonna put your foot down on certain things like and as a producer he's gonna put his foot down on certain things and you that's what it's like you come to this happy medium and that could be 
what you're picking up on that song. Like, you know, he's, cause he's, he was like Bjork and Arcade Fire and like Florence and the Machine and Coldplay. Those okay, are like, I hear that. those yeah. are the bands <laughs> that he was fam- like well known for producing. I see. And so okay. I think they, they were probably kind of looking for that kind of element of their, you know, to incorporate into their sound. And so maybe that's what, you know, that's what he helped them do with a couple of the songs. So yeah, well, that makes sense. I think one of the most interesting aspects of this album is the cover art. It's hard to explain, so if you're by your computer, do an image search for Kings of Leon Walls and check it out. Basically, it's the faces of the four members of the band, but they look like doll heads and are almost entirely submerged in what looks like milk. If you have a chance, definitely watch the YouTube video of how they created this photo. Search YouTube for Kings of Leon Walls album art and it's the first result. An artist created each face from what looks like polymer clay, and the video shows every step of the process. Really cool. There was this interview I watched on Build. It's like an AOL, I think, music platform or something. Okay. And she was asking him about it, and he's like, yeah, it's just four dudes chilling in some milk. <laughs> that's essentially <laughs> well, that's what, what it, it looks is. like. Yeah. It is. Yeah, they had like a bath of, probably about the size of this like small table here. Yeah. A bath of just like milk and water. Yeah. And then they had the heads were like, each one had like a pin coming out of the back yeah. of them and they stuck them in like a, yeah. you know, in a little box and then set them in, poured the milk in and then like, yeah, I'll have just, to check that out. It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting video and I'm yeah. obsessed with like how it's made. Yeah. Uh, have you ever watched that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm obsessed yeah. with it. So it's like, yeah. it's a good like, um, yeah, like how they make tires and stuff. Yeah, like oh yeah, it's so stupid, but like that's like one of my favorite things yeah. to watch. But it, it's kind of of that yeah. of that mindset. I also like on wall, where it says walls, the V11, which is seven, because it's their seventh album. Oh, I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. How so, neat is that? Yeah, you know, going back to Brett Kidrow, he was their art director for every album, every video, every kind of like thing that they did in the past this is the first album that they didn't have him kind of at the helm so I feel like they probably just wanted to you know make him proud with every, with the visuals and like there's an avant-garde feel to the whole marketing behind the album and like you know all the band photos are very glossy and kind of like utopian kind of like style you know but it's cool it's just kind of like a different look for them and I like it I think one of the things about the cover too that I noticed is that um it's sort of an inverse to me of a cover like um, like Meet the Beatles. You know what that cover looks yeah, like? Yeah, where yeah. it's black and then all you really see is like their faces. Yeah. Or like the cover of Queen 2 where yeah. it's basically like a sh- they're, all you can really see is just black in the background and all you can really see is like like the shadows like of, of their faces. Yeah. Um, and I think it feels like kind of an inverse of that. Yeah, in yeah, way. yeah. Um, but you know, it also to me symbolizes like purity and how they sort of like immerse themselves in, um, yeah. you know, a pure, very pure lifestyle yeah. growing up and yeah. you know, maybe they want to get back to that. Yeah, for sure. Now that they've got families and kids. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it's cool to just speculate and you'll never really know but it's like yeah, it's, that's the fun part I guess I also think of like Minority Report you ever see that yeah well that's like, like with the milk yeah that's it's kind of <laughs> or like Westworld yeah where they're totally. like creating the um, yeah. the robot or it's the pro- you're probably on, on to something with that I think yeah. I think this album in general just kind of like is a good um, barometer for where they're headed as a band you know I feel like they're they're comfortable with each other in the studio again making music and enjoying themselves and like Hopefully it's a good strong foot forward for the next album, you know? Like, I'm excited to hear what they do next after this. Because, like, the last couple albums before this, 
I didn't really get into and this one I definitely I feel like is a lot stronger overall and I feel like it's a good you know kind of just indication of what they're where they're at as a band and I'm, I'm digging it. Walls was Kings of Leon's final album in the RCA contract they signed so long ago. I'm not sure what they have planned next. The Walls tour extended through October 2017, but their website, kingsofleon.com, seems like it hasn't been updated since. They played a couple festivals in 2018, but for the most part, it seems like the guys are ready for another break. All the guys are married, with three of them dads now, and the band just announced a collaboration with a Nashville brewery, Hap and Harry's, on a craft beer called Neon Leon, matching the name of the band's recording studio. Whether or not they'll come together again on an album in 2019, I guess time will tell. But if they do, I won't overlook it this time. A huge thank you to Micah for being on the pod this week, and aloha to the guys in Iration. The Radio Gaga podcast comes out weekly, so be sure to subscribe and look out for next week's episode. Our album next week is the legendary OK Computer by Radiohead. I am so excited, and a little intimidated, to dive deep into this one. OK Computer is considered by many to be one of the best albums of all time. The album's incredibly visceral themes of alienation, consumerism, and isolation ring especially true today, more than 20 years after its original release in 1997. So give OK Computer a listen this week, and be sure to tune in again next Tuesday. Until then, you can visit RadioGagaBlog.com for more updates, and follow me at RadioGagaBlog on Instagram. See you back here next week.